And away we go. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. As always, make sure you're visiting our friends at the Holy Grail tomorrow night, <coughs> opening night for the Cincinnati Reds. Next Tuesday, opening day at Great American Ballpark. Make sure you are always stopping by the Grail as you uh, enjoy your summer. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Hi, Dave. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you doing is the more important question. Really bad, but that's a different story for a different day. We'll talk about it some other time. Not good news today, but we'll keep fighting. That's what we do. Um, But the show must go on, right? So here we are. I, I don't know if this is going to be a long one tonight. I don't know if my brain is into it, but... Um, I guess we start with, uh, what is now the private spring game. (laughs) Unfortunately, mother nature not cooperating and Cincinnati has decided to move the spring game inside the bubble, uh, which means that the public is not invited. Thank you, Grant. Um, the public is now no longer going to be in attendance. And they'll do a uh, do a practice inside. You, you're not. Where are you going to be Saturday? What's going on with you? In uh, in Georgia. No. Bad Watching, scheduling on your part. Watch, no, <laughs> that, no, no bad scheduling on the on, uh, on the Bearcats part. On the Bearcats part, because the Masters is always this particular time of year. So yeah, I'm not going to the Masters, but. Uh, I mean, you could have just gone to the spring game and watched the Masters from Cincinnati. Could have, (laughs) but like 10 to 15 of my friends won't be there. And, uh, you know, so. All right. Uh, Aaron and Aaron and Brent will be at the spring game. I believe as long as everything stays as is, I'm going to go head up to Indianapolis for the start of AAU season, coaches are on the road. It's an open period. Uh, I guess it's because of Easter that they're doing this one so early. Is Easter at a weird time this year or something? Next week. Oh. That would explain it. Is that a <laughs> the, weird time? Uh, for the AAU calendar, yes. Because next week is usually the first open oh, weekend. Okay. Uh, so it's this week. And then uh, I think Mick is going to head to Elite 11 uh, regionals. So we'll have the spring game covered. We'll have AAU covered. Uh, we'll have Elite 11 covered. And uh, you can find all that right here at Bearcat Journal. I'm doing a podcast. I can't talk to you right now. I'm sorry. The dogs are very needy without mom home. I'm I can sure. tell you that. Hi, bud. It's okay. Aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense. I, I know people are upset. I know it's something people look forward to, but, and maybe when, when the, the new bubble opens, there'll be a way or the new indoor facility opens, there'll be a way to get some fans in there. I doubt it, but just, you can't realistically fit what there was. What was there for Pro Day? Probably 250 people in there. 
Yeah, I mean, there were the guys participating, so the sidelines were full with, the, I mean, there was a huge player turnout. So you have that, but you're going to have players on the sidelines for the spring game. And then there were, you know, a hundred-ish NFL personnel. There was probably, I don't know, 50-ish media people, whether it was you, me, that type, camera crews. Right. I mean, like, and then there was like, you know, there were extra people milling around, taking in the, the day. But like, you could not walk on the one, hardly get up and down the one sideline. Right. Um, where they had a lot of the players, a lot of the uh, players hanging out watching their, you know, former teammates. So like, I mean, so you could have put like your biggest VIPs or, or something like that, a hundred people, 200 people, maybe all, you know, if everyone stood all the way around the field, it, you know, it stinks. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, if the coaches at most schools had their way, a spring game wouldn't even be a thing. Right. Uh, they would just have another normal practice where they could work on, especially when you have a young team like this, or an, maybe not young is the right word, a, a team that had some inexperience. Having a game set up in April is not as the best use of your time as opposed to having a full-on uh, regular practice where you're doing stations and, and different drill work and things. I mean, you have a game, your threes are just going to stand there most of the time. I and mean, they're going to get very limited reps. And, you know, you're going to hold guys out because why are we going to risk anyone that has any minor ailment, you know, the first weekend in April? Right. So, you know, it stinks because I know our fans are super excited and they should be. And you're coming off of a great year and there's new fans that want to be able to see the, the team. And, but, you know, it's, you know, I hate using the term it is what it is, but, um, you know, it's just part of the deal. And, you know, I hope we always, people always are like, well, why won't UC do this for the spring game or why won't they broadcast it or, it, <laughs> Take it really only takes one guess to find out why they won't do those things. And and that guy was like nine time coach of the year this year. So if he doesn't want these things to happen, they're probably not going to happen. Right. I mean, again, it's it's unfortunate. Um, because I know it's something that you know people put on their calendars and they look forward to, and it's a it, it, it's a continuation of why people are so active on Bearcat Journal through the spring because everybody's coming for the practice reports and coming for the player interviews and, and any nuggets uh, that they can get. Um, but Mother Nature didn't cooperate. Well, why didn't they move it to Sunday? Well, it's it's not as easy as, you know, just, just you know, show up. Everybody show up Sunday instead. There were concessions in the plans. If there's a crowd, you have to have people working. It's like, just not a big enough deal to to just all, to like do something like that. You know, if well, you sold if you sold thirty thousand tickets, then you figure it out. But I mean, 
you're you're talking a few thousand people and it's you know it's a glorified practice you know that is not even really a true game or anything it's the logistics behind it and and everything just doesn't make it uh conducive to switching just saying up oh, no nope, we're just going to move it to this day or that day like They'll use it as a practice. They'll get more out of it than if it was a game. And it's just kind of part of the deal for fans. My yeah. guess is they'll continue. It'll be a full scrimmage. Like they'll have, they'll do the spring game, what they had planned to do. It just won't be with people watching. Yeah. And usually that's what six, seven periods of practice that are stations and drills and all that good stuff. And then uh, they'll go into the scrimmage. So you guys are stuck with us as your eyes and ears. So Brent and Aaron will be there. I would just make up like a ton of random stuff. Like this receiver, this receiver had 275 yards receiving and this DB had four interceptions. Knock it off, Dave. (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, practice tomorrow. I, I don't know guys. I'm going to try, um, just a lot going on. So if I can get things handled and when we get done here tonight and be ready in the morning to try to make it to practice, I, I'll do my best, but yeah, Aaron's going to have so many fake blue Smith stats. You're right. Blue Smith is obviously going to be the MVP of the spring game, oh, without I mean, question. 14 touchdowns on 12 catches. <laughs> they have to have Brent keep him in check. Well, Brent is Brent will say that like everybody looked great. You know, you know, both quarterbacks are easy first round picks and you know, in one to three years. The offensive line will win them the more award. Like, I mean, just He's nothing if not optimistic. This team's going to win every game 50 to nothing. Right. Um, and I think we've we've hit spring ball pretty much to death. Um, we covered the scrimmage on Monday on the BBP. I did not make it to practice yesterday. Like I said, hopefully I can be there tomorrow. I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, but not substantially. So, and Kelly's... Kelly's home from the hospital, but she has an oncologist appointment tomorrow. Now we have to meet with a lung doctor uh, based on her diagnosis today. It's just, it's, it's all sucks is basically all I can say. I'll be there if I can tomorrow, but I can't promise. Um, you want to get to draft stuff first, or you want to get to uh, the Big 12 looking for a new commissioner? first uh let's do draft stuff because the big 12 looking for a new commissioner bores me <laughs> I, I mean it's it's one person right yeah i know everybody's like, throwing names out and it doesn't it's like it's one person and it doesn't like doesn't really affect i mean it doesn't really affect you see too much right i mean at this point right it's not you know it has an effect but I don't know if, if we, you know, from our standpoint, like what is there to really talk about? We, you know, we know the 
what the current situation is isn't going to change based on who the new commissioner is. So, I mean, I guess we're kind of talking about it right now, so let's just talk about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Bob Bowlesby retires. Not sure if it was a retirement, if he was asked to retire, if he was, you know, there was some, I listened to Andy Staples and Max Olson uh, discuss things and they weren't sure, you know, there was a press release and there was like board members names on it. So it's kind of like, real, real quick, real, hold on real quick. Before we get into this, we got a timestamp, right? We oh, have, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's 15 minutes about spring football. And we got a time start 12, 10 minutes about spring football. Then we got a timestamp because the timestamp is sponsored by our good friends at Urban Artifact. Uh, are you curious to explore what lies beyond standard craft beer? Take a trip to Urban Artifact. They don't make beer. They make fruit tarts. Come see what the world of real fruit has to offer. Swing by Urban Artifact's Northside Tapper and mention Bearcat Journal. Get $2 off a flight of four tasters. That is, what, what do you got today, Aaron? Strawberry and... Strawberry and lemon fruit tart seltzer. Let's see. Cheers, fellas. Let's see what you think. Strawberry and lemon. That's an interesting combo. Sweet and tart. Mostly tart. Mostly tart. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of not a lot of strawberry. A lot of lemon. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I don't mind. Well, you, you, you're a, you're a summer shandy. Like you like you like enjoy summer fruit beer. Yep. So there we are. All right, back into it. Um, I guess where it where it ultimately comes in is gonna you know new Big Twelve commissioner is gonna be this is the person that's gonna be uh, probably overseeing the or definitely overseeing the new TV deal. Grant of rights, all that good stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess grant of rights is, you know, is that going to still be a thing? I do, do you need it to still, does it need to be a thing? Do you care if it's a thing? Like it didn't, it's not mattering to Texas and Oklahoma. If some, if for some reason one of, you know, Either the SEC or the Big Ten at some point came at one of these schools. It wouldn't matter to them. They'd be like, we'll figure it out. Like, they're not giving up money that is projected to be, you know, before 2030 in the hundreds of millions of dollars a year from the SEC and Big Ten TV deal. But it, it just it is interesting in the stance of, like, what are you looking for? Like you said, is it – are you looking for someone with with the TV experience? I feel like that element of it – can be overplayed a little bit. Like if you have TV experience, does that mean you're, you're capable of getting the league, getting these TV networks to pay more substantially more than they had planned on? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the, it's not the, like, it's not like the TV networks are going, well, it was Joe running the deal. We were going to give Joe a terrible deal. Right. But now, now Jimmy's in here. We like Jimmy. So we're going to give him an extra, I don't know, 400, $400 million. Right. Because we I mean, like Jimmy. I think, I think to me, the more, the more important, the most important element, and this is brand new, and admittedly, I have not read a ton on it. I haven't read all these articles with people's potential candidates and everything. But I think just relationships, 
like your their interpersonal skills, how they command a room, like their relationships with whether it's the other ADs and presidents in the Big 12, the other commissioners of the Power Five conferences, like the Big 12 commissioner needs to step in and not be looked at as some like new to the table, you know, up and comer. Like he needs to step in with some clout because all the other commissioners are kind of new as well, except for Greg right. Sankey. So I don't like, I don't, I want someone that not that you come in and with your chest out and you're, you're trying to like own the room and you're bombastic and, and you're, but like a serious person with, long-standing relationships who can who can come in and you know maybe throw your weight around a little bit because you are the you're a new guy but you're you you want to put put out that presence that you know yes we're losing Oklahoma and Texas but we are not bowing down to any of you especially you know and we are we are coming to elevate we're going to you know we don't have that you know, since it's just ended basketball season, we don't have that blue blood, but we're very bullish on our brands and on the direction that we're going. And I think the interaction with the commissioners, your your clout when it comes to playoff expansion is important. I think those are the things that are, to me, are more important than, than just saying like, oh, this guy's been in media or... Um, Cause I think it's, it's way, way more than that, that will have an effect on the conference's uh, success. They're going to get a good TV deal. Like, and they kind and they kind of sit in a good window because they're not the next group to go. The big 10 is. So someone's going to, the big 10's rights are going to go to somebody and then somebody's going to be left out. And they're going to still, whatever they say about a a media bubble and it's, I don't believe it because you still need live rights. You still need live sporting events. If the big 10 goes, and I'm just making this up. If the big 10 goes a CBS ESPN, which they probably won't, but let's say CBS and Fox. Well, then ESPN is going to need rights. If the Big Ten goes ESPN and Fox, CBS is going to need some rights because CBS doesn't have the SEC anymore. Like they, they ESPN has the SEC, like the big three thirty and eight o'clock games are now. You know, not till that 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 deal got a lot of attention, but I don't think it actually begins until twenty twenty four. But somebody's going to need the rights. Is it? Is it Fox? Do they get more space on Fox with FS1 and FS2? Like, you're someone's going to need the rights, and you're going to want to be somewhere where they will pump you up. And that's and that part of the media thing and the relationship to me is more important than the deal. It's that whoever signs the deal doesn't, you know, you know, talk out of both sides of their mouth kind of like how the AAC was treated by ESPN, you, I'd always laugh, like, you pay the money to broadcast their games, and then your people on the air, you know, talk crap about them half the time. Right. Like, you want to have a commissioner that can come in and go, okay, we want you guys to, 
we, you know, we like this deal. We want to work with you, but we need you to help us elevate. Like when, you know, even when other conferences aren't doing good, like you don't hear the ACE, the ESPN crapping all over the ACC, even though for the last several years, it's been Clemson and a bunch of nobodies. Right. So, you know, I think there's some intriguing names being thrown around. Um, They've said, you know, Mark Rhodes, I think, said he's the AD at um, Baylor, that they would like to have someone in place in 90 days, which makes sense. Uh, I think you'd want to get someone in place, you know, by the summer, by the time you're figuring out when these schools outside of BYU are joining. Um, and, you know, I, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I think White. I would think the consensus favorite is probably Oliver Luck, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they brought him in to be an advisor. Like, usually that's the line of succession, right? You bring him in to be an advisor, and then the current guy announces that he's stepping away, and all of a sudden you have your new guy in place. And and they've said, what, they want to, they want to have this all wrapped up in – in three months, yeah, ninety, yeah, ninety days, yeah. Um, Which he, th- he that would... leads me to believe it's somebody that's already, if not directly in house, someone close to the Big Twelve. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, Kirby Holcutt, the AD at Texas Tech, uh, has some some buzz around his name. Um, ben Schultz, who is the president at Washington state now, but has a lot of big 12 ties. I've seen his name. Some um, it's just, inter- it's interesting though, because, you know, I don't think anybody knew this was going to happen because if they did, it would have come out during the final four. Right. And so who, who's interested that, you know, you know, what names, what guys are and ladies are out there that are interested that, you know, they never even thought this was a, was a thing. So, like, I think that's why you see in so many different names being thrown around. Um, because there's only, you know, there's five of these jobs that really control college athletics and especially the college football landscape and the playoff. So, you know. It's it's that old adage, like you know, when you talk about NFL coaches, there's only 32 of them. Well, you know, there's only five of these, and so I think there's going to be people that maybe didn't think this was happening that now are interested. But I would, I mean, Oliver Luck is the is the easy favorite, but I'm you know, I'm not sure. Odds he's, on favorite. Yeah, I'm Sorry. not sure he's the. You know, and I think they should vet it. They should vet the position heavily because you're going to get some interest. Especially with the new TV deal coming up. Like there's going to be people that are going to want to be in charge of that and and stake that to their resume. Sure. Sorry, I'm still getting over whatever I had and if I talk for like 90 seconds, I cough for the next 30. So That's all. Right. You're going to have to deal with me being in and out. You probably for... need to just smoke a cigarette and jump start your lungs. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a ton else on that. I just figured it was, it was topical. We might as well. Oh, the other, th- the one thing I did want to discuss on that. There, there's been some conversation about like 
how much input the new people should have, the new schools should have. Guess what? I hate to break it to you. It ain't going to be much. Well, they, I mean, they're not in the conference. Right. Well, they, they're... I mean, they are for, you know, but like, I'm sure they'll, you know, if John Cunningham thinks that this person would be good, I'm sure he can, rec- you know, yeah, give a name. But like, I don't think the new ADs are going to be in these meetings and talking about about it too too much and and they're not gonna they're certainly not gonna have any sway when it comes to you know they're not voting they're not you know things of that nature well i just look they're they're not all that interested in what the new guys have to say they they might they might listen like they might you know hear you out so to speak but they're not bending over backwards to appease the people that aren't even there yet. No. Like it's just not how it's going to work. And there's going to be a, a level of solidarity between them that you, you can't blame them for, right? Like this is their house and Cincinnati's moving in. It's their, it's their block. And Cincinnati's going to be the new guy living on the block. The new guy living on the block doesn't get to set the homeowners association rules. Uh, because they happen to be moving in next month, right? Like that's that's not how neighborhoods work, if you will. No. To continue the analogy. Um, so, yeah, that's that's about all I've got on that one. But uh, just like I said, it was topical and and wanted to touch on it. Yeah, it's then, it's it's you know it's interesting in the grand scheme of things, but from a from a UC perspective, I'm not sure right now. Like, it just doesn't affect them on the same level as you know it would even a year from now. Right. Uh, let's see. Are you curious? Uh, I think I just did that one right. Uh, Urban <laughs> Artifacts celebrates. I'm their seventh cur- anniversary. curious. Urban Artifacts celebrates their seventh anniversary this month. They have events every day from Tuesday, April 19th through Sunday, April 24th. Stop in to celebrate with some world-class fruit tarts. Swing by Urban Artifacts Northside Tap Room and mention Bearcat Journal to get $2 off a flight of four tasters. That is your uh, that is your timestamp as Aaron enjoys his strawberry lemon tart seltzer. Are you a seltzer guy, Dave? Do you like the seltzers? Mm, not, not too much. No, I, I kind of just stick with with the beers. Stick with the straight, the straight barley and hops. Yeah. No, no fuzzies in your barley and hops. No, not not usually. <laughs> um. All right. Let's uh. Let's get into the draft. And I think obviously the big news right now is exactly what we expected to be the big news as we headed into uh, this portion of the draft, right? Weird. All the, all the, this works. Yeah. All the, the testing and the stuff on the field is done. Desmond Ritter more than held his own through all of that stuff. And now is the off the field stuff in terms of interviewing and leadership and uh, all the qualities that a team looks for in a guy that's going to potentially be the face of the franchise. And 
Shockingly, Dave, Desmond Ritter is very good at that portion of the process. Yeah, I'm really, really surprised the the guy with the kid uh, and the and the longtime girlfriend, fiance, and you know, for the four year starter and the forty four career wins, and I'm I'm really surprised this is the way this is going. Stunning that in a draft where all the talk is about there's not much separation on the field between this group of guys, that the stuff that goes with it is becoming more of a factor, right? This We talked about this in January, that as long as Dez held his own at the Combine and the Senior Bowl, then he had a good pro day and he did all of those things, that he was going to be in a position to make a move. And I know we talked about this in probably late February um, when it went away from what the draft pundits thought the board looked like to people talking to NFL executives about what their board looked like. Then the the tone on Dez was going to shift and now you're hearing things like talk to an executive from a couple teams and they're all very high on desmond ritter and like yeah none of the up until you know most of the teams even like when they get eliminated from the playoffs or even the run the regular season's over it's not like they lose on that sunday and then on monday they start watching tape like the scouts have but none of the coaches have paid had paid a lick of attention to any of these guys until February. Right. And so, you know, and I actually wrote a bunch of these down because I wanted to make sure I tried to capture all of them because there literally has he is by far right now the I'm going to use a word that I don't even know if it exists. Buzziest. Buzziest player in the entire draft right now. There is not a guy being talked about this way in any other position for over the last several days. I mean, you have Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, who obviously has broadcast some of UC's games recently, is on NFL Live, you know, putting out, Videos on Twitter breaking down his plays, talking about how he has the best quarterbacking tape of any of the quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, yesterday, Matt Miller, also with ESPN, who has kind of had his own thing going. And then I think it was last year, ESPN hired him in the same vein as a Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, saying, from what I've heard, wouldn't be surprised if Ritter goes in the top 20. Yesterday, Jeremy Fowler, you know, an NFL reporter for ESPN, talking about how, you know, tons of buzz around Ritter. He's been crushing these meetings. He's presenting teams with a full plan on how he expects to beat out a veteran and earn the trust of his teammates. Like This is something I talked about, that when teams asked him, like what? What? It, what do you think about coming in behind a veteran? Behind, like a you know, like I said in the in the example I was told, 
before the Falcons traded Matt Ryan. They asked Des, what do you think about coming in and, and you know, being an understudy for Matt Ryan? And his answer was, year one, I'll give you that. Year two, I'm going to be your starting quarterback. Like, I'm not coming in to sit. I'm coming well, I'm not, in I'm to, be to be your starting quarterback. Love. Right. I'm coming in to play. I'm coming in to be your starting quarterback. If you draft me, you better have a plan in place by year two for me to be the guy because I'm going to take the job. Yeah. I mean, today, Move the Sticks podcast, which is Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. They were doing kind of a who's your top guy at each position and then who's your surprise guy at each position. Surprising could mean gets drafted higher than you think, gets drafted lower than you think. But uh, for quarterbacks, they – DJ basically said he's crushed every aspect of the process and the buzz is real. And, you know, Daniel Jeremiah talked about how, like, I don't have him in my top 50. There were things that I just, you know, I was hung up on the accuracy and, I, you know, and these, these things he's like, but I mean, the, the, he's like enough people are talking about it. I have to move him up. Like sometimes it doesn't necessarily jive with what I see, but, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be wrong because I'm stubborn, but right. Like if this is what is happening, then this is what is happening. Um, you know, several guys I've seen, maybe more Anthony trash from PFF, uh, Nate Tice from the athletic Austin, our boy who was on good morning football today. That was awesome. What a glow up that kid's had oh, from I working just, at Bearcat Journal to, to co-hosting Good Morning Football. Well, I mean, we had a segment. I wouldn't call I it co-hosting, but it was still awesome. Um, they all have him as QB1. You know, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus has him as QB2. I'm sure there's more that have, that have come into that realm. You know, Tresh's most recent mock had him at eight to the Falcons. Joe Marino from the draft network had him eight to the Falcons. Austin had him either 18 to the saints or 20 to the Steelers. I don't maybe before the whole saints Eagles trade. Um, but it's it just like, you just keep hearing the same thing. You, you obviously hear the maturity, you hear the intelligence, but the thing that I have always come back to when I've, and I'm by no means never call myself a scout never say, I know these things. But the thing that I always came back to as to why I thought as the process went on is that teams would watch him and they would see him running things that they know that they will run. They will see him, his processing, and just his understanding of an NFL offense, his understanding of route concepts, his understanding of protections, of line calls. All of these things give you a leg up. Like, and I'll just like you use Malik Willis as the example because he's the other, you know, he's going to go in the first round. I would be yeah. stunned. He's got all the pop. He's got all the, you know, sizzle, if you will. But, like, how many times has he, you know, ran certain plays that are staples of an NFL playbook? How many times has he 
you know, called line protection, shifted a protection. How many times is he audible? How many, like, uh, one of the craziest ones that people don't even think about. How many times has he called, a, have these guys called a play in a huddle? Where you have to have the play come in, understand it, tell it to your team, tell it to your team again, get to the line, then the checks, the audibles. This is not, there is no more of the come to the line, look, turn around, wait a couple seconds, look for your coaches to tell you, okay, this is what the defense is doing. The play we called isn't going to work. So now you're going to do this. You know, even guys like Pickett, Sam Howell, like, not, I'm not just using Malik Wilson's example. Like, they're one and go guys. They are one read. If it's not there, we're running. Dez is not that dude at all. He can be that dude, but that is not his game. His game is processing. His game is one, two, three, back to one. His game is read the safety, throw the backside dig. Like, these are things that once the coaches get involved, you know, it's it's what we saw from that 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 uh, Orlovsky broke down today. Right. It's read the coverage, read the the nickel or whoever's guarding Josh Wiley is playing the dig uh, in a zone. Well, he and, he still had to throw to Pierce, but the better play was to move to make that guy squat and hit Wiley in the seam of the cover of the cover three. Right. Like, and he looks the guy off. You can see it. And looks the guy off, throws the seam, perfect play. You get the chunk, you, 25, 30 yards. You know, you get a lot of, you know, leading up to the process was a lot of like, well, he's the most pro ready, but like, what is his ceiling? You know, his floor is high, but is his ceiling high? And you're drafting Malik Willis on potential and, and things like that. And I don't have anything like, I'm not going to bash any of these dudes. As a Bengals fan, I am praying to God the Steelers draft Malik Willis. Because he might be he might end up being great. But in three years, he might be the exact same guy he is now. Which wouldn't be good enough to beat Joe Burrow and No. But Deshaun Watson and No, we're not even close. But like I think teams are starting to see that like Dez took that big you have PFF rankings. They're just one ranking set, but they get re- referenced a lot because they're easy to digest and they're easily available. Right. So Des was like first three years, all in the lowish seventies in his PFF rating. And then he jumped to 90 this year. How much of that was working directly with Jordan Palmer on the things that he has worked on that right. you will continue to do as a pro. How much of that is just getting more comfortable in an offense? How much of that is adding responsibilities and being able to, you know, process all of that? Like, I think, I think coaches are seeing him now as like, yeah, he can be ready to go right now if we need him to be. But because of his athletic traits and because of the progression that he's shown – he, he's not like a high floor, low ceiling guy. Like we think we can, the, the accuracy thing 
to me is is interesting because there's different ways to look at accuracy, and PFF breaks it down like, are you completion percentage accurate, or are you like ball placement accurate as well? Like his completion percentage accuracy isn't the best, but his ball placement accuracy is probably the best in the draft. Like he hits guys where they need the ball. You're not you right. didn't see a lot of like throws that guys had to stop for or guys had to reach back for. Um, and then he also has very, very few turnover worthy plays, which I know I'm getting in the weeds of like, of stuff like that, but like he doesn't put throws in bad places. Right. Um, so like, I'm not just because of the nature of the position and, and with all this, this stuff going on, like I'm not ready to guarantee it, but like, I'm getting to the he's point going in the first round. He's going in the he's going in the first round. Um, I'm not going to say like I don't know how high because I mean shit happens on draft day. But I mean he met with the, he you know he met with the Saints before his pro day. I believe he also met with the Falcons. He's meeting with the Steelers, then the Panthers and the Seahawks. So you kind of have your and I and that's not necessarily the end of the list either. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the Titans got in there. I've heard. So I heard an interesting comp of Ryan Tannehill and Dak Prescott. Like the Tannehill athleticism with the Prescott like leadership and stuff like that. Right. Um, so you're talking about Steelers at 20, Falcons at eight, Saints have two first round picks now, Seahawks at nine, Panthers at six. And yes, some of those teams could be talking to him. You know, those those early pick teams could be talking to him to learn more to say like, okay, what if he's still there at twenty five? Do we trade our second round pick and our whatever pick next year to move up? So it's it's not necessarily in the places that they're specifically drafting in the first round, but there just seems to be there's too much smoke, and there's just. There's not a lot of talk about any of the other QBs either. That's what's been kind of weird for me. Like you, you're like people aren't talking about Pickett right now. They aren't talking about like Willis is probably the one that's getting the next most conversation. I think people will always talk about Willis because there are things that excite you, especially if you're a coach. Because every coach is like, "Oh, well, give me, give me that dude," because I can, I can. You know the old the old adage the ball of clay. Oh, I'll, you know, he's a ball of clay. He hasn't. He has. We have no idea how good he can be. But he's got the arm and he's got the athleticism, and so let's take a chance on him. You know. So, but yeah, there's like, there's just not a lot of talk about some of these other guys. Yeah. And you know, I've said before. And it's easy for me to say because my, you know, I'm I'm not in year three, you know, needing to to do something to keep my job. I wouldn't take any of them in the first round, but that's also not how the NFL and the NFL draft with quarterbacks works. Um, I mean, there's talk of, you know, Willis going two, Pickett going six. Like that's what I, I mean. Honestly, that's what I want to happen. <laughs> Like, cause I want, I want that for Des. 
Like the, yeah. the, the earlier, I mean, he might be one of those guys. I'm just saying like the earlier the quarterbacks go, the more desperate the teams get. Right. And I want him to, you know, I want him to go to a, a good situation. That's why I've always, I mean, you know, but I would love to see him go to the Saints. You know, they've got, they've got a good situation already. They're the way they manage their salary cap. I'm not entirely sure how they do it, but they are never afraid to, you know, put good players around and rework contracts. Um, you know, I've said numerous times, I think Atlanta from a coaching standpoint would be a great spot for him. The roster is, you know, straight gutter trash. So I don't, I don't wish him to take over, you know, as the quarterback of a team that has a bunch of nothing around him. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, you try to take your use. I try to take my UC fandom out of it, but it really does seem like I see something every day about him in, in multiple times a day. And people aren't just doing that because they feel like doing it. They're doing it because they either believe it, like in Orlovsky's case, or they're being told it. And I think more than more, they're being told it. Right. Like that, you're hearing them say that. I heard McShay say it the other day too. What he he moved him up to 31 or 32 or whatever. Yeah, I think he was um Lions pick, last pick in the first round. <clears throat> All right, let's get to my tweet last night, Dave. Well, hold on, I got I got more draft stuff. Uh, it is a draft thing. Oh well, this is specific. Okay, Just a little, a little sauce, a little sauce nugget. Okay. So our, our boy Sauce visits with the Texans, picks three and thirteen, Lions two, Giants five and seven. We already know he met with the Giants uh, pro day. So they have picks five and seven, Jets, picks four and ten, Seahawks nine, Eagles, whatever it is now, 15, 18, something like that. Saints, whatever they have now, 16, 18. I don't even know but with those two teams what they traded. Um, but that, yeah, he is um, making the rounds, as they say. Uh, ran a faster 40 time than Derek Stingley did. That was interesting today. Stingley had his pro day. Seemed to do quite well, but uh, 444 and Sauce ran a 441. So, it was that I'm, the official that came out later? I saw 437. Yeah, that was not what they marked as official was 444 and 445. Okay. But I mean, the teams are going to go off of whatever they want to go off of. So, if, you know, a team wants right. to say 437, whatever. But his, his numbers and and things weren't they were really I mean they were good to really good they weren't like holy shit <laughs> so right. um from a health standpoint he showed that his foot was fine um but uh you know I don't think it changes much I don't think I don't think if you had sauce as your CB1 that Stingley's pro day makes you you know, reverse them or something. Right. But, uh, but that was, that was all I had on, on him. Just saw that tonight of where his, where his upcoming visits were going to be with. Right. Um, okay. My hot take from last night. 
Did you see my hot take from last night? You've had a lot of takes lately, so I I don't know. My hot take from last night. I said said it was a hot take. <laughs> August twenty eighth, August twenty eighth through thirtieth is shaping up to be the most impactful weekend in the history of UC football. Agree or disagree? It's the last piece, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think, I think making the college football playoff. It's right up there. Sure. Is, is up there. But yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like you, you, you know, you could have a top five pick along with a top 25 pick. And then on Friday, you could have two or three guys. And then on Saturday, another, whatever the number is like, you're going to have, you know, if eight guys get drafted, I don't know the run, you know, the rundown of every team. I'm sure Georgia is going to have a ton. Um, you're going to be right up there with Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, who, you know, whoever you want to say. When they put up like the graphic, most players drafted in the 2020 class, like, UC is going to be right up there, top five-ish, you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say nine. I'm going with nine. You think you think my boy Kurt's getting drafted? I think so. I've asked some people about that, and there seems to be a belief that like he's got a legit shot to to sneak into one of those late rounds, just as a high energy, high effort, probably through a three tech and a four down line system. He wins at the point of attack. He's athletic. Like, I, I, I just, I, I think there's a shot. Somebody takes a chance on him uh, late in uh, day three. I think there's nine. I mean, I, I'd be all for it. I mean, I, I had him as, you know, obviously when you guys, you guys don't know, I've been on the BBP did like your postseason award winners. Um, I had him as my D I would have had him as my defensive MVP. Defensive MVP over sauce. I mean, I guess it's the sauce excluded category. Okay. (laughs) But, but I would say like, when he was, he was massively important when the defense, when he played his best, the defense was outstanding. The defense was pretty outstanding all the time, but when he was, when he had his best games, they were noticeably better and more dominant. Yeah, because in the in football now, the, the the edge rush is still massively important. But taking the middle of the pocket and moving it up the field is the way that you best disturb quarterbacks, right? Because if you're coming on the edges, they can step up, they can move. There's ways they've figured out to get around you. When you're taking a center or a guard and just carrying him back to the quarterback – there, there's not a lot of places for them to well, go. Yeah, I mean, look what, like, the Navy game, for example. You know, Dez struggled in that game because they were able to bring pressure up the middle. Right. I I don't know. I, I think Kurt finds his way, and I think. I hope so. J- Jason asked Brooks to the Bengals in the seventh. Um, I would I would love it, but if they wait till the seventh round to draft a three technique, Defensive lineman, we're, we're, you're gonna, you know, we're your gonna, head's going to explode. We're going to have some some, some discussions. 
and the, the group as a whole is not great. So it's, it's, um, that could be in, you know, does that help him? Does that hurt him? I don't know. But from just from a strictly Bengals standpoint, I hope they do not wait that long. As much as I like him, um, you know, they need someone that can probably, whether it's a rookie or they, after the draft, they bring someone in, they're going to need someone that's going to, to play between 500 and 700 snaps at three technique. Right. You know, so I don't know if he's that guy as a seventh round rookie. Um, but yeah, I, I just, in terms of the perception of the program, I think, you know, when you, and, and this is exclusively in talking about in terms of recruiting, we think of, of winning being the most important thing, right? And winning to most kids and especially a lot of, you know, the kids that Luke is recruiting, winning is very high on their list of priorities, but let's be honest. What do these kids all want? They want to go to the league. And they want to know they're going to a place that not only can sneak them in the late rounds, but if they if they do everything right, can get them in the first day, can get them in the second day. And these are, you know, Sauce was what, in 84 and 85, whatever in his in his grade yeah Jazz was an 82 kobe was an 82 beavers was around that range like cincinnati is showing not only can they develop but they can develop guys into whatever your wildest dreams may be because like you know sauce is a confident guy he'll, he'll say whatever he says there's no way that came that kid came to Cincinnati thinking I'm going to leave here as a top ten pick in the NFL draft. No, right? Pro- probably not. I mean, that's a. There's no way Des came to Cincinnati thinking when I'm out of here I'm going to be the top quarterback in my draft, or in that conversation for the top quarterback in my draft. You know, and this is going to be that final piece of ammo on the recruiting trail that you're not going to be able to use against Cincinnati. You're, you're sure. not, you're, you're going to be able to say we can play for championships. You're going to be able to say we can play in a power league because you're going to be in a power league. You're headed that way. And now yeah. you're going to be able to say we can make your wildest dreams come true. I mean, we talked about God, how many months ago, just about how much exposure they were going to get. And really it's like, it's all been of- more. Well, all of this stuff that's happened now, we're not even to the the like ramp up part yet. Right. We're like just the, getting we're on the runway. Like the NFL network just started their daily like path to the draft show and you know mock draft shows, like just started them in April. So like all of this stuff that has started is just based off of senior bowl pro day combine and the beginning of these visits now that the pro days are over basically tomorrow i think is the end and drake london is going to have a workout on the 15th or something but i mean that's just one guy but like now you're going to have people talking about the draft on espn on nfl network on podcasts 
on YouTube, you know, whatever, like every single day, it's only going to get bigger and bigger. And, you know, the school has all, will have all of this ammo, all of these graphics, all of these videos, you know, when the chimes start on ESPN, everybody gets excited. Like the pick is in and they can use all these things. You know, we see when they send out get, you know, images and graphics to high school kids that show them like getting drafted by, you know, the Bengals or whoever, like there's going to be so much of that. Like they are going to get to do that probably eight or nine times. They're going to get to put graphics together about most players drafted. And then, you know, I know they hate to use the term, but I don't know if they'll use it. Like most players ever drafted from a G five school in one class, most players ever drafted by an AAC school in one class. Like, If I were them, I would put up how many guys got drafted by UC and all the Big 12 teams. You know, comparing that, I would, you know, I would go, I'm sure they're going to, but like there is so much opportunity, whether it's videos, graphics, you know, interviews. You know, if Sauce gets drafted five, they're going to do an interview with him right off stage after he gets drafted. Like, you know, it's just, it's so much. Luke Fickle's going to be at the draft. Oh, Luke will be at the draft. Luke will be on some network, whether it's Friday night, Saturday during the day. Like, he'll be on ESPN. He'll be on NFL Network. Like, he was on with Rich Eisen today. Like, um, yeah, that, I mean, he'll be out there. You know, it is. there's going to be a lot of Bearcats talk. That is for sure. So do you agree with my statement? I mean, I think it's one one A one B. Like from a from a pure football standpoint. Here's the difference: you lost to Alabama. Yeah, but you broke. You're through. not losing. No, you're, you're not, not losing, losing draft that, weekend. No, not at all. That's my that's my difference. That's my but, that's my yeah. deciding factor. For sure. I mean, it's the final. It's everything. It's the final thing that you know. If you want to talk about you know, negative recruiting or whatever, like you have, you accomplished the two things you proved that, you know, you could get there. And now you're showing that like these other schools that you recruit against, you know, Kentucky, Michigan state, Iowa state, uh, you know, West Virginia, Louisville, Purdue, you know, the general area schools, like they're not having the on-field success, but they can keep saying like we have a track record. We've put whatever three, four, five, six guys into the draft every year, and they're not ever, you know hardly ever headliners, um, right? But they can say like, look, we this is a sustained thing, and now you know UC can 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 start to say that they they'll need to build on it. Um, it'll need to be a a regular occurrence, maybe not eight every year, but you know. You can't go years where you just have like a fifth round pick or, you know, a couple guys on day three. You need to keep keep going in, in the direction that they're going. Right. I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's pretty wild to watch it unfold, man. It, it's it, from the seat that we've been in, uh, you know, me for the last 16 years, you for the last, it's six or seven years you've been helping Bearcat Journal um, and, and become more of a part of the team to where we're at now. 
it's it's hard to fathom that that this is this is oh yeah that's that's out of out of the (laughs) stratosphere but i did want to answer a couple of these comments we had crypt keeper yes greg cook was the fifth pick in the draft and is the highest drafted bearcat player uh to date jason's comment about larry Joby, the bengals not unless something changes i do not see them re-signing him obviously yeah. things can change um it's a i don't see them resign him i i don't think he would want to frankly like he signed with the bears they gave starter money to bj hill i don't see him coming back to take on a backup role and that is without even knowing um his foot situation that him caused him to fail a physical right so uh what are expectations for jerome ford uh, i would say day three uh Running back's just so undervalued and wildly unpredictable, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you're going to have Brees Hall. Maybe, you know, some people think sneak into round one. Probably, you know, if I was betting a dollar, I would say no. So Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, round two. <clears throat> I'm not even sure if there's – this is not a great running back group. So I'm not even sure, you know, if there's another running back going in round two. If there is, it's maybe one wild guess, too. So you've got four guys on the first two rounds. So, yeah. I mean, if I was pegging around, I would say five. But I could see him in four. It just depends. I mean, running backs are, like you said, it's just they're just – they're undervalued. And, you know, just what does the team – what is the team looking for? Right. And that, that's the same way with every position. Um, but, you know, running back's going to get pushed down more times than not. Yeah. Um, hi, Kitty. Do you think it's more likely the Bengals draft a replacement type of player for Bell or Bates? I don't know. Um, <laughs> both? I would guess <laughs> Bell's gone for sure soon, right? Like his contract is up after next year. Um, yeah, I don't after I mean, this they, year, right? With this coming, yeah, right. Um, I don't, you know, Jesse's obviously like the hot discussion point. Like, why, you know, why can't they get a deal done? What's what's going on? Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, because there's there's some dudes I like in that spot. I mean, that they that I think can play what he does. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, they like to do some three safety stuff. They really like guys that have versatility. You know, Daxton Hill is a guy from Michigan that has played slot, has played a little outside, has played, you know, a little, what, you know, single high, which is what Jesse, you know, Bengals run mostly. But some people think he can be a corner. Some people think he's just a slot. Um, 
he's been a safety, but um, I don't know. I'm that's something I'm interested to see. Like Lewis Seen from Georgia, Jalen Petrie from Baylor, Jaquan Briskert from Penn State. Like not necessarily all of them at 31, but if they were to trade down, um, you know, I think this could be a big defensive backfield draft for the Bengals as a whole, whether it's corner or safety. I mean, we saw last year, you know, everyone talked about defensive or offensive line being a concern and they drafted three offensive linemen. They also drafted three defensive linemen. (laughs) So, you know, they drafted two edge type guys and they drafted Tyler Shelvin. So it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, drafted two safeties and two corners or some two corners of safety and a guy that, you know, could maybe do both. Um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me at all. All right. You got anything else football related? I don't think so. Uh, okay. I just, I just confirmed Kalu, 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 Izipke, uh, Izipke, I think is how you say it, is uh, officially visiting Cincinnati. Um, I don't know that a commitment is imminent. I think. Uh, Did you say Caillou? Kalu. Your favorite TV Ka- show? Ka- Caillou. Fuck that kid. You know how I feel about that not, kid. Not the basketball player. No. <laughs> No, the cartoon asshole, <laughs> whiny little bitch. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know what like, I've gotten such a weird vibe on that. Like the, the, when I it, there was a report that the visit was happening, I checked on it. It was a maybe. I, I Jeffrey, if Caillou's your boy, get out. <laughs> lifetime ban <laughs> lifetime hey aaron ban jeffrey inman for life caillou his boy you and your boy can get lost <laughs> uh oh we forgot the timestamp. Timestamp, y'all uh urban artifact is the largest sour only brewery in the u.s they pack over seven hundred thousand pounds of real fruit into their lineup of fruit tarts every year Swing by Urban Artifacts Northside Tap Room and mention Bearcat Journal to get $2 off a flight of four tasters. Take it over, Aaron. Tell them how good. So good. That's awesome. Your 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 advertising skills are are really taking a leap. Like you, you're you know. I can I can feel their sales skyrocketing. Yeah. No, but it's for real. So good. I, I think that they're uh their key send, Go- send me more for their, free. Their key lime ghost is probably my my favorite of of their 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 lineup. And in the summer, that's a fantastic go to for me. Real talk, Jeffrey. You're 24. Give you a break. What kind of break am I supposed to give you? Like your parents tolerated Caillou when you were a kid. I I can't I can't condone that type of parental behavior. I just can't. <laughs> I, I, my daughter, my daughter watched Caillou to spite me because she knew I hated it. It's like you, you want, you want to watch some, you watch some Peppa Pig. You, you want to watch some Wonder Pets. You, you, you want to watch some? Uh, I don't even remember the one. 
Oh, jeez, I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, yeah, child abuse, Jason. Allowing your child to watch Caillou is child abuse. It's it's actually parent abuse. It's the worst parent cartoon I've ever encountered. Luckily, they 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 cycled that shit out before Dave and Aaron are are gonna. I, I have to jump in here and, and laugh at something. So okay, go ahead. In the recruiting thread for football. Uh, Austin Severveld, or however you say yeah. his name, the offensive lineman, he has a final three. Apparently, UC's not in it. Yeah, yeah. Tell him the final three. I don't even know who they are. Oh. Who uh, are they? Alabama, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Oh, okay. That's a good final three. Yeah, that's um, pretty good. But someone said, man, we could really use a win soon. Been a tough few weeks. I go, literally got to commit three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, people! Like, <laughs> but Dave, he wasn't ranked high enough. Well, I don't. As we're it. watching, guys ranked in the exact same range get drafted in the top. About to get drafted first in the round. Top, yeah, in the first and second and like, third round. We, guys, we literally got a commitment three days ago. It has not been a rough few weeks. <laughs> well, they're talking, you know, Malik Hartford to Ohio State today, dude. If, if we're battling dudes that pick Ohio State. I'm not going to get like super the lead, about it. The lead. So Alan True was on CBS Sports, like uh, streaming coverage of Malik Hartford's commitment. Yeah. And the lead was this was a good win for Ohio State because it was believed that he was going to be very difficult to get out of Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh-huh. Other schools involved, Michigan, Michigan State, Alabama, Notre Dame, Dame, right? Like, essentially, this was a good win for Ohio State to beat beat Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. That was the sentiment. Hey, hey, I'm all for it. But, like, when you fish in that pond, you're going to catch less fish. We want to be fishing in that pond, but it's a harder pond to fish. You know what a a rough few hours is? A rough few hours is finding out your wife has pulmonary hypertension, which there's no cure for and generally leads to death. That's a rough, that's a rough week, right? And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be an asshole when I'm saying that, but like some of you fucking people need perspective, man. I I don't I it's it's the it's the transfer portal. It's do you want to talk that or would you like to just end the podcast now? Because I have a I have a feeling where we're going to go with this one. No, I'm I'm cool. But like, I'm dealing with a rough couple weeks, right? What you're dealing with is minor fan disappointment. It's okay. It's all right. I'm just saying. Uh, anyhow. Uh, so, uh, the Zipke kid, I don't... It's a weird vibe. I, I don't know how to read it. Like, I... I I think they like clearly they like him, but I think the portal is messing with everyone's head right now because it's somebody said it a great a great line today on the board. It's like when you were in college and you were busy talking to that one girl, and then ten other hot chicks walked by while you were talking to the one girl, and you didn't know like maybe there was maybe there was a better one back there somewhere. So like, just let the coaching staff do their job. 
let them figure it out themselves. Like that, that's what they're spending all day doing. I know that's really hard for fans to do. But let them let them do their job. And then when they're done with their job, feel free to evaluate it however you see fit. Because at that point, you're going to be right or wrong, right? When, when, the, when the moves are in place and the roster is set or mostly set, whatever, and you can say, these guys made the roster worse. These guys made the roster better. It, whatever. Take a side. There's nothing to take a side on now, right? It's just your impatience getting in the way of how things are happening. What are you laughing at? Oh, just the whole situation. I mean, I, you know me. I'm on my take on it. Like, but so this kid in particularly, what what is what is his game? What does he do? Like, I I don't know. This is my first podcast. I have no idea who this person is. <laughs> Please tell me about him. Here, let me pull him up. He went to Old Dominion. Okay, so he's a monarch. I know he's that. A monarch. Much. Former monarch. Yeah, former monarch now. Um, he had a top six. I was trying to find his top six. I can't find it. Is he a post? Yeah, he's a big guy. I think. So I think there are some. Uh, He's six foot eight, two hundred and forty pounds. How many years left? Uh, I, I believe one. He's played a lot of basketball. So he played. He's yeah. I think that he's got his he's got his COVID year left. That's it. Okay. Thirty four games as a freshman in eighteen nineteen. Thirty two games as a sophomore. Uh. All started all 23 games in 2021 or 2021 team captain, 32 games, 30 starts uh, this year, 26, 27 minutes a game, 12 points shot 73% from the free throw line, seven rebounds, 52% from the field, uh, three doubles, three double doubles. Um, High points, 21 on the year. He played 36 minutes against Western Kentucky. Um, He's a guy that at least is going to give you a little bit of stability in the paint. How has he done against uh, AAC competition, you ask? You read my mind. I was going to ask that. He played against East Carolina twice. Known Known for their defensive prowess. He scored 16 points uh, in in one meeting against East Carolina. Four of six shooting from the floor. Eight of 11 from the free throw line. He had eight rebounds and an assist and a steal. He played against them a second time. I have no idea why Old Dominion played East Carolina twice. (laughs) I think they're in the league now. Yeah, he had had 12 points in that one. Uh, Also eight rebounds again. Two assists, two blocks this time. I guess here, here's my, here's my question. Okay. Do we know who else is interested in the young man? Yeah, he has a top six. Hold on, let me look on Twitter. Um, while you're while you're looking at that, would you categorize this guy as a starter level player? A a you know. Con- main contributor, a role guy off the bench. I'm just trying to set my expectations. 
His uh, he's down to LSU, Cincinnati, Western Kentucky, Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Pitt. Okay. So he's not being chased. He's not he's not being chased by uh, mid majors. He's a guy yeah. with a, with major interest. And Rick Stansberry's checkbook. And Rick Stansberry's checkbook. What did, is he not? Is is he still there? I thought he got fired. Really at Western? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I just assumed he was. Uh, I guess. Well, maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe that was a, yeah. a bad thought in my head. He's still there. I thought he got fired for some reason. His spouse's name is, is Meow. Meow. Yeah. Meow. <laughs> do they do they do they, do they name her? Is her name Meow? Is her name Meow? M E O. However you say that. Um, so, like, do you think this would be a – would this be – should I be super excited if he commits? Should I be like, okay, that's cool. Hopefully, like, they get a couple better guys. I think it's, I think it's an improvement. Um, like, the, the roster would be better with him, but I don't know that he's like a – you know, the the trajectory of the season. Is it I don't know how greatly affected? Right. Like, we're not like, oh, shit, yeah, we're going to the tournament now. Right. Right. Okay. Just, hey, you know, expectations are everything. I'm so, being honest with you. I think yeah, that's, that's my... That's, that's, all, that's all I want. Like, Now, you know, look, if they would have had a big man that could score 11 points at, a game... At all. Think how different this season looks if they had one big man that could score 11 points a game. Did the big man... Uh, uh, oh, hold on. What What, ha- what happened? Something. I want to. I want to do some math. Did you just commit? <laughs> no, I'm doing math on something. So sometimes that takes a little time, right? Well, math for me takes more than a little time. Okay. We're not considering Jeremiah Davenport a big man, right? Um, in the end, yeah, no, not at all. Four point two, four point two. That's eight point four. 8.4 plus 3.1, 8, 9, 10, 11.1, 12, 13.5. Thir- the, the big men on the entire roster last year, Dave, averaged 13.5 points a game. All of them combined. Not, that's not great. So if this dude can come in and he, and he averaged 11.1 or 11.3 in Conference USA, which is a step below the American, but not a significant step below the American, right? No. Let's say he averages nine and a half. That's like three of the big men from last year. Right. So, I mean, is it is it the perfect addition? Probably not. Does it maybe alleviate some of the major problems that this team had last year? Potentially. What are you making weird faces for over there? Uh, NFL.com top 100 list from Gil Brandt had some interesting uh, placements of players. You know, one one man's opinion, but yeah, interesting. But sorry, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing. Is like if expectations are set properly, then you can – you know, and we're talking about this. He might not come to UC, but if he, if he comes on a visit, he obviously has some in, 
some higher level of interest and they are, you know, have the same for him. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's more names and on varying levels and, you know, like we talked about, I don't know, was it last week when we talked about, uh, you know, if something, if, if, if we're still in the same spot May 1st, then, then, you know, light the town on fire. Yeah. April 6th. I'm not sure I'm getting too worked up about anything. Right. All right. That's, that's going to wrap it up. I, is, I don't have any more in me. Is Brandon Murray going to go to Tennessee? Uh, it'd be a hell of a gift for Tennessee. Hey, the the Reverend, he he knows how to do it, man. Considering the bags I've heard of, heard about today, there's a kid from the A Sun, the A Sun, Dave. I heard today starting off for half a mil. <laughs> like, won't won't talk won't, to you. Won't take won't a call. Take a call unless there's a half a mil on the table, Dave. People think I'm like I'm crazy when I'm talking about how wild this shit is. I'm talking to friends from around the country, just like checking in, right? Like we waited like nine hours today for Kelly to talk to a doctor. So I had a lot of time in between like what's going on. Made a lot of calls. Half a mil. Hey. Half a mil before they would pick up the call. Good for you, man. More power to... I'd like to be in a position yeah. to just ask for some absurd amount of, of money and look, someone be like, yeah, we'll give it to you. It, look, I would love for you to have to pay half a million dollars for me to answer your call. <laughs> so if you give And you'd be half, willing to do it. You'd be like, yeah, that's reasonable. If you give him the half a mil and he takes the call... No, I mean, but like, that's the starting... Right. If I'm going to pick your school... You got to come with at least half a mil. So what you're saying is that guy is not going to come to UC. Well, the funny thing is, he's not even somebody I don't think UC is like contacted or whatever. It was just in a conversation I right. was having no, with I another know coach. Mean, like, yeah, we're not. They were that. like, "Listen to this shit. This kid wants half a mil to answer the phone." <laughs> and this kid will be stuck in the transfer portal in four months. Right. Right. So uh, without giving names or anything, or do you, is there anyone else that they seem to be? I haven't heard of any other visits. On, set up. I haven't heard of any other visits set up yet. So. Um, Grant asked basically if he wanted to commit on his visit would he would they take him i would i would guess that's a yes or they wouldn't have him come in right i, I we'll see i don't know i don't have the answer to that i thought he was asking if the kid who wants a half a mil if wanted no. to commit if the staff would allow <laughs> <laughs> well they'd have to find some money <laughs> it's i mean it's nuts man it's it's wild like Oh, I, I can't even imagine, like, when we see those tweets of, like, you know, OVC player of the year that averaged 
20 points or whatever has been right. contacted by so many teams it fills up the entire tweet like like what's going on behind the scenes there it's bananas like it, the the whole thing is b a n a n a n s like it, it doesn't make any sense like business I'm, is I'm all for booming I'm all for people getting market value. I just think there might be a situation where there's some folks get a little needs, over market value right there now. There needs to be a, mar- a market correction, apparently. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> and again, market value is what somebody will pay you, right? Exactly. Like, if somebody's go, if somebody's going to pay you a half a mil, so you're, then you're worth a half a mil. It just blows my mind. Well, that's the thing. The way- a, half, a half a mil to one, you know, person slash team. Is not the same half a mil to another, so you know. Right. Places like Tennessee, they can drop eight mil. Gotta get that quarterback. Got got to get that number one player in the transfer portal. I mean, if you can drop eight mil on a QB, you can come up with a couple more mil for some wide receivers and offensive linemen. Right, Matt. Who am I excited to see this weekend in Indy? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. I don't know yet. Uh, Maybe I'll get to that by Friday. If if not, I'll just show up and see how the weekend goes. I don't I don't I don't know. Right now I don't know really anything. So uh I guess that wraps it up. I don't have anything else that closes it off with yet another Urban Artifact timestamp. Did you know that Urban Artifacts building, the historic St. Patrick Church, is 150 years old? They operate their tap room in the basement. And upstairs, they offer the reliquary and event space. Come on. R-E-L-I-Q-U-A-R-Y. Is anybody religious here? Reliquary? Requiem for a dream. Jaquimini. Not. It's not requiem. I know how requiem is spelled. Jamiroquai. (laughs) R-E-L-I-Q-U-A-R-Y. Reliquary. It's a play on liquid, I guess. I don't know. Aaron, you should know this. You want to have a party there. It's an event space. Swing by Urban Artifacts, Northside Tap Room. Maybe Urban we could have a will, – will they let us have a uh, a Bearcat Journal uh, meet and greet there? I'm sure they would. Maybe, we should, get, maybe we should do something like that uh, in, the su- in the summertime coming up here. Yeah. If I'd, I wasn't going to be out of town, we could have done it Saturday instead I'd of the spring down. game. I'd be down for a little meet and greet with our loyal Bearcat Journal members. I think we could come up with an event. Maybe, you know, if there's if there's room, I think we, with StreamYard, maybe we could organize like a a live podcast or something of that well, nature. You know, we did we did the Q&A back, back in the day at, uh, at with Pike. Yeah, with Pike. That was good stuff. Scotty, we want to do a, an event at the Reliquary. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I'm saying that right or not. Reliquary. Reliquary. I, I just made that up. I don't know. I'm sorry if I got mad. Don't you dare I'm, call me that, Aaron. I'm, a, I'm having a bad day, so I'm not in a good mood. Uh, Yeah. So let's get out of here. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to our title sponsor, the Holy Grail. He's David Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Next week, Dave might not work. We got to figure out next week. Dave, yeah. you're out Thursday. I'm out Wednesday. That makes things kind of awkward for next week. Yeah. 
We might we're just supposed take... to have Zach Caleros. Yeah, maybe we just take a week off, see if Zach well, can... No, we're supposed to have Zach, so it might be me and Aaron with Zach on Thursday. Oh, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I mean, I could do it Thursday. I'll have been just, you know, out of surgery earlier in the day, so who knows what type of drugs I'll be on and what I'll say. I'm in. So. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Dave, yeah. like the, uh, the, the kid coming from the dentist? Yeah. Real life. I'll be, it'll be well after that. I'm see, at this point, eight o'clock Thursday night. I might be, you know, out cold. <laughs> yeah. We'll prop you up weekend at Bernie style. Yeah. Put the earphones in your, in your ear and have Aaron ask questions as you. Oh, okay. How's that sound? Weird, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, you're not down for that. Probably not. I'm probably I, I, don't, gonna... I don't really want to make Dave a puppet, no. I've had this surgery once before. I'm probably not going to be in, in the mood to, uh, you know, do anything Thursday. I don't know. Dave after anesthesia sounds like a pretty good segment. It doesn't really do much for me. I'm pretty much back to normal, like, within an hour or so. So, but, yeah, I'll be tired. I know that much. All right. All right, we'll see you sometime next week. I don't know when. Sometime, yeah. At some point in time next week, we'll be here on this channel. Thanks to Aaron Smith, as always, producer extraordinaire. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.